This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680-CJOB. Hello, Jim. Jim, how you doing? I'm doing well. Happy Monday. Happy, 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 happy Monday. Uh, is everybody in the city or province who isn't happy today? I'm happy. You ever ha- get, I've been happy for... Uh, things ever get personal? Every now and then, yeah, they do. Yeah, they once do. in a while... Like, I like to quote William Money from the show Unforgiven. Deserves got nothing to do with it, and we all got it coming. That looked personal at IG Field on Saturday. It looked personal. It looked like, you know what, there's this, 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 and this. But this sixth one is personal. Listen, uh, Jim, if you listen to the postgame show on 680 CGLB with Derek Taylor and Doug Brown after Which that. Which I did. It was just another game to Zach Caleros, you know, just out there, challenged each other. I don't think there's any revenge or anything like that. No. But if he was Kirk Cousins, he would have said, you like that? You like that? (laughs) Uh, The Winnipeg Blue Bombers were ready for that game. They were amped up for it. The emotion got caught up. um, And the Saskatchewan Rough Riders could not come close to matching them. Uh, It was an absolute pounding, a crushing. They were dismantled. The Riders were manhandled. Uh, to a 51-6 victory, and the game was over uh, by about 10 minutes into it. There are slow-pitch teams that put up more points than the Riders on Saturday. That's a fact. That's of course, a fact. I love slow. Well, it's easy to put up runs in slow-pitch. Well, I know. I didn't want to say anything. But uh, we're, we're approaching now. Hey, we are one month away from the start of the National Hockey League season with the Winnipeg Jets in Calgary taking on the Flames on October 11th. One month. One month away. So things are going to get really exciting. Um, The Young Stars gets going this weekend in Penticton, the Young Stars Classic with the Jets, Flames, Oilers, as well as the Canucks. Uh, They'll be at Hockey for All All Center uh, getting things going uh, on Wednesday. They'll be getting some practices in before heading out to uh, the Okanagan Valley. Um, to take on the, the other young stars of the other four Western Canadian teams. And we're really approaching the start of the of the season and, of course, uh, training camp. And to talk about the Winnipeg Jets, Scott Cullen, writer and contributor with McKean's Hockey Yearbook. Uh, that is out. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Perfect. Um, so early projections for the Winnipeg Jets. Where do you Where do you see this team fitting in over the course of the regular season? Well, I think the there's going to be a, a battle between. Well, Nashville and Winnipeg seem to be the most obvious in, in battling, say, for like the the fourth spot in in the Central Division. Uh, I think you could probably lump in uh, another team from the Pacific um, that'll that'll be in contention for those for those spots that are you know wild card uh, playoff spots. But I still think the Jets have a you know legitimate shot to to win one. Um, but it, it's it's not exactly going to be easy. I think what you have is you have kind of some, some have-nots in, in the Western Conference that um, you can kind of eliminate from uh, from contention. Um, and and once you once you start removing uh, those teams, and that's Arizona and Chicago and Anaheim and San Jose, and mm-hmm. um, once, once you remove those teams, you know, Winnipeg is still you know a, a competitive team with the likes of, of Nashville and Calgary and and you know I, I think there was expectation the way the way last season ended that um you know maybe the Jets were going to blow things up and, and it was really going to be starting from scratch and it's not it's not exactly that you know the the, the roster is going to look different after the uh Dubois trade and, um and uh, uh letting Blake Wheeler go but I, I still think that there's you know there's a lot of quality depth here uh, I think the 
once you've moved out Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, bringing in, um, you know, Gabe Velarde and Alex Iafalo and Rasmus Kapari, while you don't end up with, you know, a guy who's quite at the same level as Dubois, you really improved the depth overall. And, and so I think that that's going to give the, the, the Jets a fighting shot uh, at the playoffs anyway. Yeah. Are they the definition of a bubble team? Like, are they the most bubble team of all bubble teams in the National Hockey League? <laughs> Yeah, I would say they're they're yeah they're they're soundly on the bubble and 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 that kind of leaves you with hey if things go right yes they're in the playoffs and and everything um, kind of moves forward from there uh, but you know all it takes is a few things to go wrong and suddenly you're on the wrong side of that bubble. So along those lines, Scott, it, my most intriguing part, other than what Hellebuck and Shifley um, do or will not do or will be here or will not be here, what their forecast is. My number two thing I'm looking at is can this team be better, get more wins by not allowing so much, um, so many goals, so many, so much high danger chances, all that. Can this team play better defense with Ayafalo and and Velarde than they've seen in the past, and could that lead to more wins in your mind? Certainly possible. I mean, that's that's one of the things is that you're getting these guys um, from the Kings who they they have a track record of, of sound two way play. Um, and, you know, I mean, Velarde doesn't have this you know, deep track record of, of National Hockey League plays, battled injuries and, and so on. But kind of the early returns are that he's a pretty solid two-way player, at least uh, by defensive metrics. Uh, and Ayafalo has he is a bit more of a track record to, to trade on. And so, yes, if you can, if you can kind of get more reliable defensive play and, and they added Nino Niederreiter last year, that's another guy who's um, got a real track record of driving play. Um, and and that's kind of, I guess, the foundation of what what the Jets need is you know that this is a team that has leaned on Connor Hellebuck a lot in the in the past few years and um, and and it's fine I guess because Hellebuck is really great and and you, you win games still um, by doing that but you know if if you really want to have some sustainability to it um, you know you want want to control a little bit more of the play. Uh, push in the right direction and give Hellebuck a, a bit of a break. And I and I, and I think those, those guys that you're getting from um, from the Kings should help with that. Um, it's just going to be, I guess, a, a question of whether um, that's enough uh, to, to really make them uh, get get them more consistent wins, uh, or whether it's still going to be uh, this team as we talk about on the bubble. Scoring goals. I mean, they finished twentieth uh, in goals last year. Um, in, in terms of your projections here, is is there more goals to be had for the Winnipeg Jets, or is that just something that that are, is going to become an issue uh, over the course of the season? Well, there's a chance that it, it becomes an issue. Certainly, uh, I think one of the real wild cards here is Nikolai Ehlers. Um, one, uh, what what kind of role is he going to have? I mean, him playing fifteen and a half minutes a game last year um, is. That, I, I don't think that can happen again um, and, and still have this team be a, a playoff team. I think mean, you have to get him back up to, you know, 18 minutes plus and, and have him playing a bigger role. And then obviously he needs to be healthy uh, in addition to that. Mm-hmm. But um, if he was healthy and playing a bigger role, certainly he, he's a guy who can add more to the offense than he did um, last season. Uh, and then, you know, you, you hope that kind of by – by committee, uh, you get the offense from Velarde and I follow Nita Ryder and Namastikov. And, and whether that, I mean, is that going to be enough? Well, I, I, I suppose that's going to be uh, up up for debate. Um, you know, and you can hope that Cole Perfetti, um, you know, stays healthy and, and continues to develop. And, and you know, this, this is one of the things that I, I like about the Jets is that, you, you know, there's a good um, kind of quality three lines uh, at the top where you, where you should be able to get offense from all three of those lines. 
uh, I guess the question will be is whether, um, you know, the, it, it's how much they end up leaning on Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley to, uh, to carry that goal scoring load and, and whether you can get uh, enough support uh, from these guys. Like, like I say, I, I, I like, um, you know, the, the forwards that they have kind of in the supporting cast. Um, but the, there's, you know, a variety of outcomes that can come with these guys because they don't have um, the established track record as goal scorers. Yeah, uh, that's sort of my question that I find is yeah. fascinating is if they can balance this lineup out to keep more out and get decent production from three lines, it could lead to more wins a la the Vegas Golden Knights. Like the, the they didn't load up the top six. They kind of spread mm-hmm. it all out and it, it worked and one line was, was the hero one night and the, the next line was the hero... The other night, kind of that philosophy of what they can do with this. Um, I know you can't quantify this, Scott, but change. And and we had Josh Morrissey on last week, and he said, you know, I I, I really Blake Wheeler was a, a huge influence on his career and and the whole room. And even though he didn't have a letter, he still was a leader last year and all that. But really, things don't really change. We've got Rick Bonus back. We're more familiar with him. And and so those two comments kind of stood out to me. There was a massive influence here that's now gone. But yet things won't really change um, because it's sort of the same page. How do you quantify what happened off the ice when you're trying to quantify what's going to happen on the ice? Yeah, that, that's a that's a tough one because when when you're you know any any time a guy like Wheeler who has been such a prominent player on the team and played such a big role in the room, of course the guys who've been there for a long time are going to feel the loss, right? That he he's this familiar face in, in, who's been in a leadership role with that team for a long time. And, and so of course, Josh Morris, he's going to feel it. And Mark Shifley is going to feel it. And Kyle Connor is going to feel it. Like, <clears throat> pardon me, those guys are all going to, you know, that that's going to be an absence for them. Um, but then you have this whole bunch of, um, you know, newer players that, that don't have, I guess, the same kind of connection to Wheeler. And, uh, and, and so it, it, I think it becomes kind of a mixed bag um, when trying to kind of measure that that outcome uh, in the room, and, and I like what I think t- typically tends to happen is, is people then decide based on how, however the season goes, <laughs> they'll decide on oh you see the the big loss was Blake Wheeler, um, and and or or Pierre Luc Dubois or how, however they yeah. they want to assign it, but it come it comes after the fact. It, it's really tough to to sit here beforehand and go oh there's no way they can do it without Blake Wheeler. Because, you know, given the, the caliber of players coming in, they, they may just be able to uh, continue on and, and, and produce even without Blake Wheeler. But it, it's really tough to, to gauge it before. And obviously that's the, the thing we're trying to do here a month ahead of the season. Yeah, one last one here uh, for you, uh, Scott. Uh, Scott, uh, writer and contributor at McKean's uh, Hockey Yearbook. A big part of uh, McKean's Hockey, and you can, you can find it at MCKE. E-N-S, hockey.com, McKeenshockey.com, is projections uh, in terms of, of prospects and all that. Um, with these up-and-comers, the Colby Barlows, the Rutger McGordys, the Brad Lamberts, uh, even you, I, and I read your piece, Ville Hanel also in there. Uh, when do you expect these players to start being an impact on the Winnipeg Jets, and how could that sort of flavor how this season and decisions that are made um, over the next little bit? Well, I, I don't anticipate uh, them having an impact this this coming season, mm-hmm. but because of you know we know the contract situations for a lot of the, the prominent players on the Jets, and you know that was, this was all kind of back to that point I made earlier about how um, there was a lot of talk about overhauling uh, the roster in the off season. You have 
you know, significant players who are, who are heading into the last year of their deal, and Telebuck and Shifley and Niederreiter and, uh, and more. And, and, but I think what, what you've got when you've got the kind of these, these top prospects waiting in the wings is that it, it does leave the Jets um, sort of some flexibility for, for the future, that if, uh, if this season doesn't you know, go as planned or if, um, you know, if they manage to just sneak into the playoffs, that, that some of these guys who are, who are heading into the last year of their deals, well, you know, they, can, they can move on because I think uh, when you look at the kind of the top prospects uh, that the Jets have, uh, that they're, they'd be pretty optimistic that, um, you know, whether it's a year or two years down the road, uh, the, you think you've got something there that can kind of help regenerate uh, what, what talent they have here. And so it, this is, I think, one of the kind of tipping points really for the Jets this year mm-hmm. is that um, if, you know, if they're in contention and, and okay, they, they decide they're going to keep pushing forward and, and maybe they keep Connor Hellebuck, well, okay, you've, you know, you've kind of cast your die and, and, and you, kind of keep going with the team that you think can contend. Uh, but if not, um, it's, it's going to be a bit of a time to, to reload. And, and so some bodies will move out. Uh, you hope some of your prospects come in and maybe add some more young talent uh, kind of in the way that they did in the Dubois trade and, uh, and kind of keep, keep it going and, and hope that this team, like I, I don't see the Jets being bad enough really to you know, fall off and bottom out. Um, so you may as well you know, try and keep the, the window of contention going as long as possible, even if contention is, you know, get into the playoffs and see what happens. Scott Collin, writer and contributor, McKean's Hockey Yearbook Magazine, available uh, by subscription, sixteen fifty Canadian for three months worth of access, five fifty a month. You can also uh, purchase a direct download without a subscription for twenty three bucks. Well worth it, McKean. Oh, absolutely, McKean'sHockey.com. Uh, Scott, you take care. Okay, thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Scott. All the best. Let's take a break. On the other side, some of those lingering questions. Yeah, I mean, that tipping point, Jim, this is what I want to talk about. The tipping point for the Winnipeg Jets. Is this the season that you can kind of circle around and say, listen, where are the Winnipeg Jets going? This is a defining season as to what direction the team is going to go in. We'll get into it. We'll come back. I don't know. Jets at noon on 680-CJOB. Hello, Jeff Braun. How you doing? How was your weekend? That was l- all right. Really was enjoyed right. that football you, game. You were half into lovely, and you decided to drop to all right. Yes. It was one day too short, like most weekends. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm yeah. with you on that. Yeah, It was a great football game. Yeah. No, it was really good. I was, I was listening to the I, – I didn't watch the game. I was at a family reunion, and we were all just huddled around the, the radio like old times – Listening to 680 CJOB, Derek Taylor, and Doug Brown. That's what you did at a family yeah. reunion. Yeah. Gathered around the radio. <laughs> Gathered around the radio. It really was a reunion from the 20s. Yeah, exactly. Nice. We are sitting out, uh, out in the yard and brought out a, a well, this is where it turns into 21st. Is this the 21st family? No, it's Hofers. Hofers. Hofers, yeah. Was uh, Jake the goalie there? Uh, Jake Hofer, yeah. There's a relation somewhere down the line, but amongst Hutterites, there usually is. Can we say that on the air? Are yeah. You? Oh, okay. I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. So how many people were there? Uh, there's about 20. 20? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's not a big family reunion. Well, you know, it's the first year we've done it in a while. It hasn't happened that's in just a number a party of years. Camp. No one can afford a TV you in this family. You and some family members had a party. We're outside playing a, the ladder ball tournament. You know, Pe- people bring their TVs outside. They see it all the time. People. No, 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 it's not. Family reunion of 20 is just a family gathering. Okay, it's a family gathering then. (laughs) 
we made, I thought there was like 100 people there and people f- came from other parts of the country. There's some people that did, yeah. Uh, well, the important part here, what'd you eat? Uh, burgers. Oh, there you go. And I actually had kind of an epiphany, Jeff Braun. You might you might understand this with me. I actually think I, I think you might agree with me on this. Okay. I had one. I had two burgers. One yep. of them I loaded up with all the, all the stuff. Okay. And then I had the one where it was basically I put ketchup and mustard on it and mayonnaise, and that was it. And the one that just had the condiments was better than the one that I loaded up. I believe it. I'm yeah. a plain food guy, so I, I know. Yeah, me too. But that's, I as, that's as plain as I would go. Cheese and bacon. That's all you need on a hamburger. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to end it, <laughs> Timmy. Well, I'm saying maybe simplistic is better. Maybe being maybe being simplistic hey, is better. did anybody double dip at the family reunion? I wasn't paying attention, but probably you there was. You took the chip. You put your whole mouth in the dip. And then you the put dip. the chip back in the dip. It's like putting your whole mouth in the dip. Yeah. Plain food, guys. Two, thanks a lot. <laughs> 204. Actually, our lines, our text groove is down. 204-780-6868. Oh, no. 204-780-6868. So, uh, hey, if you want to say something, you just give us a call because uh, text groove is down. But, uh, Jim, I mean, just building off the conversation we just had with with Scott Cullen, uh, writer and contributor at McKean's Hockey Yearbook, um, is this the definition of a bubble team? Is there any more bubble team right now in the National Hockey League than the, than the Winnipeg Jets? Well, this was my initial thought when you brought this up, was they're a bubble team when they were stacked. Like, they barely got in last year. The year before that, they did not get yeah. in. The year before that, they were fighting to get in and went to the bubble. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, this team was locked and loaded on paper and was a bubble team. So um, that's, again, like, I don't know if you feel the same as me, but the more I think about it, and I was texting you on the weekend about potential trade partners and all that, I just, I'm fascinated by what this team's going to be like with... Out Dubois and Wheeler, yeah. But the additions of Velarde and I follow and Kupari, if he can play on the fourth line, I just—they're a bubble team when they were loaded with skill and talent. Yeah. So if they can play better brand of two hundred foot hockey, and they might not can, they might play a better brand of two hundred foot hockey and can't score and lose every game two one and not be a bubble team. Yeah. But to me, I'm fascinated by this. They. What's lost in this offseason conversation is whatever happens with Hellebuck and Shifley, and it looks like they're going to be back and, and start the season, and who knows if they might get re-signed or not. You know, I think that's 50-50 right now, to be honest, if they're mm-hmm. moved or, or re-signed. Um, they still have Kyle Connor. They still have Nick Ehlers. I loved what Colin said about Nick e- Cullen said about Nick Ehlers. Um, there's a reason why he only played 15 minutes a game last year. And, yes. and, I, and that's the only issue I have with the analytical community who constantly throw ice times at me. And they never look at, at who was on the ice prior, the situation in which shifts were taken. Um, I do that every game. I used to hear that screamed at me on social media about, well, why was Kulikov out there as a defenseman? And I, with three, with two minutes to go, and I'd look at the game sheet and it's because the top two pairings were out there for double shifting back and forth for the previous six minutes Mm -hmm. because of somebody took a a penalty or they had the power play or something like, so ice time doesn't automatically equate to what the situation was. Situation last year was Nick Ehlers played two games, then he missed three months. Yeah. And then when he came back, he wasn't very good. And don't yell at me, Ehlers fans. Nick Ehlers told you after a month of being back, he hasn't been very good. Yeah. 
So I do think he's going to play more. And if he's healthy, he's going to be dynamic and, and a big part of this team. But um, I, I just, I'm fascinated by the whole, you say bubble team to me. Yeah, I, I think they're a bubble team this yeah. year. And, and I have no idea what they're going to be. They could be 20 points out of a playoff spot. I don't think they'll be 20 points into a playoff spot, but they could make the playoffs this year. Yeah, they're too good to bottom out. That's the thing. Like this team is is too good. I totally agree with Scott. Well, I just I don't that. I don't even if you load up the top two lines, you're going to score goals. Yeah. Will they? Yeah. They struggled you're... to score last year for long stretches. Well, sure they did. And they're did, less but... skilled this time around. Yeah, but I, I think the Velarde around the net, the Ayafalo, um, you add in. Nito Nita Rider and yeah. and uh, I just Vasilevsky, think that the defensive everything side, yeah. Rick Bonus screamed at them from the start of the year and started screaming at it in the second half last year about going to the net, getting some traffic. That's how this team is now built, right? Do you know what I'm? They're feeling? not a perimeter team. They have their perimeter players, but they have more in the zone in the depth around the net players. I got hit for whatever reason, about 15 minutes walking into the show, I got hit with a massive amount of anxiety about this team. I saw that, actually. Yeah. I was walking in and that's I'm like... That's why I slapped you. Yeah. Calm down. Well, listen, that's... Get a hold of I, yourself. You know what? You just can't lay hands on coworkers no, like that, Jim. I know. Jim. I got a meeting after. So. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to say anything, but, like, after the third time that it happens, I have to... I didn't really... I just tapped you, and then I grabbed your shoulders, and I said... I was an aggressive... Calm down! It was an aggressive We're going to get through this! But I got hit with this anxiety about this because I have no idea what's going to happen. Like there's so many things up in the air, right? Is do the players, I mean, you're, I think you're always excited heading into a new season, right? Uh, but there's so many things. It's like, I mean, we heard from Josh Morrissey when he was on the show yesterday, uh, last week, it's like, Oh, new voices have to step up. There's no more Blake Wheeler. So more people have to sort of elevate it and speak up in the locker room. Well, that's what we heard last year. And that didn't end up happening. It's, uh, Blake well, Wheeler no, was still. It didn't the, end up. Here's what I think happened. I think Blake Wheeler, and I at least I saw it on the ice, went out of his way not to be the guy on the ice to talk to anybody or officials, which I I understood. There were so many games I was at live that when a play would stop or the ice crew would come out, he'd take two strides towards the ref and then turn around and come back to the boards, and somebody else would, Lowry would go yeah. or somebody like that, like just. Um, lots of times. So, but well, I, that wasn't his place. Also, he didn't have the C anymore. I yeah. So I don't look. The problem is, is with Blake Wheeler was still here. Is he still had an opinion? So instead of the one leading the discussion, he probably gave his opinion on the discussion. But when you're here for that long and done so many things, like Josh Morrissey said it himself, Blake Wheeler is the reason he's in the NHL. He's the guy who he took him under his wing and taught him how to be a pro and did all this. You can take the C off his jersey all you want. A guy like that is still going to want to know what Blake thinks. Mm-hmm. And if he's not around to say, then somebody else has to, right? Mm-hmm. That's the difference to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not defending it at all or, or saying it was – I'm just saying, like, I can understand why he was still the alpha dog in that room, even though he wasn't attempting to be the alpha dog or they just – they all sort of go to him and mm-hmm. do what they do. So I think that changes a little bit. Um but it's fascinating. Like, no, I, I see a gym is almost inevitable that this team is going to be five points up or five points down of a playoff spot around the 15th of January. You know why I'm fascinated by it is not just the lineup. It's you were in first in January and then we're hanging on by your fingernails to get in. Mm-hmm. And then you had 
arguably your best game of the year. And if the Flames, Jim, also if the Flames were able to beat teams that were well below them in the standings down the stretch, they might not even have made it. If the Flames had found a way to win those games that they should have won. But that's what I mean. This this could be the poster team for locked and loaded and ready to go and underperforming. So you you make some changes that on paper yep. look like you don't have firepower mm-hmm. or as much firepower and you play better. If you look at the if you look at the roster, looked at it today, it's quite a bit different than last year. At forward, big time. There's big changes there. Yeah. You still have your key, you still have your, your key think guys. I, There's no I, doubt about I it. I say but. this again. Adam Lowry had what, 36 points last year? If Nito Niederreiter's on his wing this year, he puts up 40. Mm-hmm. I think that third line will score more with Nino Niederreiter on it. Mm-hmm. But is he going to be on the third line? Is I a follow up top in the top six with um, I mean, out of the gate, do you go Shifley, Connor Ehlers? And then do you have Nemestikov yeah. and... and No, I, I, I think you in do. In the middle it, with Perfetti, or do you have Perfetti in the middle? It depends. And, to me, it depends on what kind of camp Perfetti is going to have. That's the first thing. It's like, where where is he at after the summer? Where is he showing himself at camp? He was pretty good last year until he got hurt. That's right. And is he ready to take on that second role the as thing, center? The or thing do you I like wanna, about Perfetti. Or do you want to do you want to put uh, Velarde and, and Nito Niederreiter beside him? The thing I like about Perfetti is when he's made mistakes, they've been obvious rookie mistakes, forgetting to pick up his guy down the slot or something like that, and then he doesn't Hold anymore. Hold it onto the puck too long. That's and then, his, that's and then he doesn't anymore. Yeah. And so the glaring mistakes I've seen him make in the first two years, you know, six or seven games later, he's not making those mistakes anymore. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, is it a, t- this is the thing about the bubble question is interesting because is it a team good enough to get into the playoffs? Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Is it a team that not fall- strong enough to miss the playoffs? Yes. Yeah. So I am fascinated, though, by if you can take away the high danger chances on Connor Hellebuck, what kind of, I mean, again, it's only one game, but, and you can say what you want about Hellebuck in the playoffs, and many people have to me, but that first game, when they didn't give up anything down the middle or off the rush, they won Uh 5-1. If they can play like that, 60 to 65 games of the year, because I think that every team has a bad 12 to 15 games that they're just not at their optimal. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated to see what Connor Hellebuck might do. Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. Text lines are still down 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Jim, I have a question I want to ask you about one of those players that was acquired in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. I got a big question I got to ask you. Got a big question. Big question. Well, I've got a tiny answer for you. Let's well, you it. might. We'll see. That'd be a first. We'll be right it's not back. the size of the question. Chats at noon on 680-CJOB. Well, I got that big question coming up about uh, one of those players that was acquired in the big question. Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. But uh, we got a caller. Text groove is down right now, 204-780-6868. So you got to come on the air and you got to talk to us like, like ancient times. Hello, Corey. Hi, guys. I've got a question after you. If you were the general manager for the Jets and you had the risk of losing Shifley and Hellebuck at the end of the season, would you throw all your cards in the, in the playoffs or are you going to trade them? And at what cost would that do to the Jets if to lose them yeah. for nothing? You, you, I don't think you can lose them for nothing. I think the, the number one focus of the Winnipeg Jets right now is to sign these guys. I think that's what they're going after right now. Wh- whether if it's Connor Hellebuck, he's going to say, I'll wait and see how things go. 
Um, but Jim, I mean, you made this point earlier today. I mean, you said you're going to see what these guys are going to be wanted, wanting to chase. Is it going to yeah. be cash or is it going to be? Well, I I think if winning. if they want to get paid, and I don't I don't mean that in a negative way. I I think Mark Scheifele's grossly underpaid the past couple of years. Yep. If he wants to get his money on his next deal, it's not going to be here. I think they would love to get Connor Hellebuck back and offer him a two or three year deal at nine and a half. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be as high as ten, but I and if Connor Hellebuck can't get nine on the open market, I think he goes okay. I'll sign for two or three more years and and stay here. Like the cap's going up two million next year, but Kelly did this work on the weekend. Kelly Moore and there's 202 players with expiring contracts in the league this year, and the cap's only going up two million dollars. Like the idea that if you play out this year as a Jet and then get nine million dollars on the open market still isn't out there. Yeah, there's only a few teams that can do that. So if the Jets do it, but I don't know. Like I, if Mark. Shifley wants to get paid. His best option might be to stay here and and get eight million dollars out of the Jets. Um, I on the open market, there's not a lot of contending teams next year even that can go. Here's eight and a half million dollars. Yeah, and right. then if yeah. they want to win, then I I think they they go to market and they sign with somebody for five million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking that the. You know, just the fact that, you know, if we're making a playoff push and we're right there, now we're, we're forced to make the trades at the end. I don't know how that's going to go, you know, with the playoff push, not having Mark Shifley or, or Hellebuck in net. I, well, I think I, if it I, goes I, that far to your question, Corey, I think if it goes to the trade deadline and they're in the playoffs, I think they keep them, they go into the playoffs with them, and then after the playoffs they try to re-sign them or at least deal them before free agency for whatever they can get. Yeah. But okay. if they're if they're both here at the deadline and they're in the playoffs, I do not see them getting traded. Well, I hope so. Thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thanks, That's Corey. a great question. Right? Yeah, like, no, it, it is. And a know, lot of this is fl- is fluctuating. They're going to start the year with them. It looks like, and say like I've always said, by December, if you're five points out of a playoff picture, what do you do? Well, just look at and if you're five points in, I think you know what you do, right? You don't trade them. Well, and it, it, what the Winnipeg Jets did. I mean, let's just look at Andrew Cobb. When they traded Andrew Kopp at the deadline, they got Morgan Barron, a pick that eventually became uh, Brad Lambert and Elias Solomonson on defense. Yes, There's another piece in there, but too. that does nothing for them right now. That, that's the thing, right? And Morgan, that's, that's what you're going to get for Hellebuck and Shifley. You're not going to get a second-line center. 100%. 100%. That's exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get Morgan no Barron. No contending team is going to go, here's our second-line center for your for Mark Shifley, I doubt that. No, because you're going to want to have that guy for the playoff push. So what you're going to do is you're going to get a guy that has a, a fairly good ceiling and could be a very good comparable uh, to uh, Andrew Kopp at the time, which I think Morgan Barron is going to develop to, but it's a project. Then you're going to get a, a – it was a conditional second-round pick that became a first, and you, you find your way into Brad Lambert if the Rangers made the Eastern Conference Final, which they did that year, and you get that second, you get that pick that, that turns into Elias Solomonson. So if those two guys are going to be traded at the deadline, that's what you're going to receive. It's going to be futures. You're going to get guys on RFA deals, guys that the Winnipeg Jets would have team control. But if the Winnipeg Jets are going to say, hey, we need a center for this year, next year, and the next year after that, that's not what you're going to require at the deadline. That deal would have to be done over the next little bit. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Yeah, I I still think you can do it in November, maybe even December. Yeah. Work out a hockey trade. Yeah. But once you're into the new year and you find out who's in and who's out and who's a bubble, I just I don't. But look, 
I, like I said, I think it's 50-50. I, I think they make a healthy run at re-signing these guys. Hellebuck, for sure, they're going to try yeah, and have a, a conversation and re-sign them. Yeah, we got another call. It's like free-for-all Friday on here today, Jim. Uh, we got Mike on the line. Uh, Mike, how you doing? Good, thanks. So, gentlemen, what happened to the consensus that Shetley was addition by subtraction? Mm. I, I don't see anything in his history that suggests he's a mentor uh, or, or a leader that the team wants to build around. I'll, I'll give you an example. If you go back for the last five to ten years of Stanley Cup champions, you've got a Mark Stone, you've got a McKinnon, O'Reilly, Crosby, even Ovi, uh, Jonathan Taze. Those are the character players that teams want to build around. We thought we had it in Wheeler. We can debate that ad nauseum. I think we would say we have it, we hope, in Lowry uh, and Morrissey on defense. But that's not Shifley. And the only other, other comment, I hope we don't repeat the Blake Wheeler. Who are we negotiating with when we bid up his price into $8 million? I understand he was underpaid. Two, I understand two things, Mike. Two yeah, things. Mike, I, I guess we only got about 15 seconds here, and Jim, I'll give you sure. an two, answer. Yeah. Two quick things, Mike. Blake Wheeler came off back-to-back 91-point seasons heading into free agency. When you say who are you negotiating with, the entire free market who needed a 90-point player at that point which was a lot. The second point to you is to you and me and some fans, an unfair question, but for leadership in the room, just ask Josh Morrissey and Adam Lowry, who spent most of their summer again this summer with Mark Shifley. Yeah. It was also a fair comment to like say they're though, tight, they're friends. That's your I leadership know, core. Uh, at the same time, uh, Blake Wheeler was the one who led the charge against Rick bonus last year at the end of the year. So there's also questions there. And I, I agree with you. But, but in there wasn't one player who didn't speak friend. that way. I, well, that's exactly what I'm saying, Jim. That's exactly what I'm saying. Mike, thanks so much for the call. And the question I had for you, is there a Gabe Vlardy hype train coming up? I believe in Gabe Vlardy. I think there's but a bit of a hype extent, train. I don't know. I'm not saying 82 points in 82 games, I but just think I a, really liked him I, as I like I think there's a bit of a hype train. Jim told to take you all the way until 3 o'clock. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Fortier, for producing the show. That's it for me. Thanks for the callers. Be back tomorrow. See ya. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.